0: The market has its own intelligence. It has a sort of malignant omniscience that dictates that the market will do whatever fucks over the most people at any given moment in time. It knows your positions, and it knows your fears. You are a sinner in the hands of an angry god, and your positions are going to pay. Like Santa Claus, sort of. Except that the market doesn't care who's been naughty or nice. More often than not, naughty wins. The market cares who is the most exposed, who is the most out over his skis, and who has taken the most risk at any given moment. And once the market has ascertained the point of maximum pain, it will move violently in that direction, causing the greatest number of people to lose the most money. It was moving that way for me today, having just been lifted on two million shares of IWM an exchange-traded fund that tracks the fortunes of small capitalization stocks. The perpetrator this time was Spartacus, a monstrous hedge fund that managed billions of dollars in assets run by only a dozen men and boys. Their trading desk consisted of a few Staten Island kids who had walked bass-ackward into a pot of gold and was led by a snidely whiplash character, an evil genius Russian named Yevgeny. Yevgeny was rumored to have earned $50 million last year by picking off slowpoke retard ETF traders like me, hoovering money out of my P&L and into his in a brutal daily transfer of wealth. Yevgeny didn't give a damn that he was trading small-cap stocks. He didn't have an opinion as to whether small-cap stocks would outperform large-cap stocks on an economic basis. He was not making a strategic investment for the fund. For all he knew, he was trading May wheat. He cared about small cap only because it moved more than large cap. It was more volatile, and with greater volatility comes more opportunities to fuck people over. His trade was causing about $170 million to be rammed into 2,000 tiny stocks, increasing the price of each of them by about 0.2%, getting 2,000 CEOs momentarily excited for their company's prospects as they watched their tickers turn green on Yahoo Finance, that is until Yevgeny decided to turn around and sell. This particular trade was already turning into a shit show, because when the fastidious, obsessive sales trader Andrew Duke quoted me, I thought I heard him ask for a price on 1 million shares. When the ticket arrived electronically on my screen, it read twice as much. I knew I was in big trouble. I had lost $140,000 before I'd even printed the trade, given that the ETF had rallied several cents, and being short two million shares, I was losing $20,000 a tick. This was going to be an exercise in stuffing ten pounds of shit into a five-pound bag. DC and I looked at each other. We had been working together long enough to be able to communicate by visual semaphore. When I first met DC, I didn't like him. He was one of those perfect Ivy League mannequins, all J. Crew and hair helmet. He was also a Garden City guy. Garden City amounts to a massive Wall Street cult on Long Island, where any able-bodied male born within the city limits has a birthright to a job at a major investment bank. My disdain at the beginning was barely concealed. But D.C. was no ordinary cake-eater. He was literally, perhaps, the best lacrosse player in the country. At 5'9", generously, and 150 pounds, you wouldn't figure him to be the world's greatest athlete. He barely lifted weights, and managed only the occasional run around Central Park. But he was, quite simply, the most coordinated human being on Earth, and nearly ambidextrous at that. People who are gifted in one way are often gifted in others, and as a trader, D.C. was the silent assassin. Once I began working with him in 2004, I liked him instantly. In addition to his physical gifts, he was the most competitive person I knew. I would occasionally tire of the Hundred Years' War with the sales force. D.C. never backed down. He fought to make money on every single trade, and he was profoundly disappointed when he didn't. Perhaps the most interesting thing about D.C. was that he was exceedingly uninteresting. He had no deep, dark secrets, no skeletons in his closet, no illicit romances, no addictions, no nothing. It was impossible to believe that someone, especially in this business, could be that well-adjusted.